0: Hello my RPG lore people. Welcome to the lore you know. I am Jeremy Hokalter, and today we're going to be talking about the Skardlands. I know it's a huge shock considering this is episode 46 I believe. So been with it for a while. Still covering some secrets and societies of Gelsbad and Skarn in general. So today um, my plan is, unless I go crazy long for some reason uh, with the first one is to do two they're both going to be military organizations that are on Gelsbad um, one is my least favorite group on Gelspad, and the other one uh, I really don't have that big of an opinion on but um, we'll get into this squeaky one first so we're going to talk about the Black Dragoons so this is a military um, organization based out of Ligeni uh, Ligeni is I'm gonna show you here on the map. It's part of the Calastian hegemony. Um, zooming in, maybe a little too far. Let's go there. Okay, as you see here, we have Colastia, who is ruled over by King Verduk. Um, Verduck has had this expansion going on for a while, and pretty much everything around Colastia is part of the hegemony, so Ligeni here is part of that and it is ruled over by uh, the steel duke I'm trying to think of his name traviac so uh let's jump into it um to the north of the nation of classio lies laghenny a land soaked in the blood of rebellions assassinations and domination part of the classian hegemony it is from Legeni that many of the attacks are that are against durover are launched uh, durover is the Very small country to the east there. Right there. Let's see. Uh, While all the troops that owe their allegiance to the steel-fisted Duke Traviac are hated and feared by those that fall victim to the whims of Leganian and Calastia, none are more despised than the evil cavalry unit known as the Black Dragoons. Many a battle has been lost as the opposing side learns that the Dragoons are involved, soldiers throwing down their arms and just fleeing. In Ligeni itself, the black dragoons are actually respected by the generous populace, though they are equally as feared. Common folk praise the dragoons for rooting out fierce titan spawn, while whispering behind closed doors that the dragoons' methods are savage and excessive. Though dragoons are disciplined enough to not cause violence and debauchery within the borders of Ligeni, it is not unheard of for a person who has slighted a dragoon to be brutally slain in public with no consequences, legal or otherwise. In a land ruled by the strong, it is the meek who must pay whatever price, at least in the eyes of the powers that be. So while the stalwart foes of the steel duke will admit that the skill of the members of the elite force, sorry, while they will admit the skill of the members of the elite force, they likewise declare that the the dragoons unfalteringly evil, sorry, my reading skills need more coffee, gonna take a drink. And let me start this one over. While Starwalt foes of the Steel Duke will admit the skill of the members of the Elite Force, they likewise declare that it is the Dragoon's unfaltering evil that truly terrifies their victims. Villagers that manage to escape an invasion by the Dragoons tell horror horror stories of rape and torture. Like I said, squeaky. Uh, those who are taken captive are forced marched back to Ligeni to be sacrificed to Tardun or occasionally sold into to slavery for the nobility. Each of the 666 members, that's right, of the Black, uh, the Black Dragoons are heavily armored in full plate with full or with metal buckler shields. Their war horses are similarly guarded in full plate barding. Many of the soldiers uh, wield long swords and have at least one secondary weapon attached to their saddle. In addition, they carry their signature dragon crossbows, carved to resemble a dragon in flight. Bolts fired from these crossbows are imbued with magic, engulfed in flame that many say remind them of a flaming dragon. These burn the target and ignite flammable materials. In addition, when they strike, a bolt causes a fear effect from the point of impact. Some dragoons do forego the magical crossbow in favor of standard crossbows from which they can fire poison bolts. Captain Kosei, the leader of the White Company, wields a war scepter of Chardun in place of the standard longsword, a sign of his priestly bearing. The dragoons are made up of five companies, each composed of ten wings, or twelve cavalry soldiers. A lieutenant that answers to a captain commands each wing, and each company is led by a captain that reports directly to the field marshal. The current field marshal is named Brazac, and when the Dragoons are at full strength, they number 600 elite soldiers, 60 lieutenants, 5 captains, and the field marshal. Now, none of the Dragoons are women. The soldiers that follow Brazac's words uh, to the soldiers that follow Brzezak's words, uh, women should stay at home to watch the clutch. Yes, like a dragonic, dra- draconic clutch. Uh, Though Calascian society pers- uh, supports this outlook, Queen Galita, who is King Verduk's wife, actively spurns the field marshal in court whenever possible. There is one exception to the rule of no, drag- uh, no women in the dragoons, however. The eldest daughter of Duke Traviac, who is the leader of Legeni, whose offspring have only so far been female, was raised as a boy. The fiery haired Maria serves as an officer in the Black Dragoons, where it is said that her sadism and violence makes even her fellow black guards pause. Her ruthless efficiency, shown many times in battle, including during the eradication of an uprising of dwarves, halflings, and humans in the Keldar foothills, have caused her to be a favorite um, uh, of Duke Traviac. Her four younger sisters strive to outdo her, however, however to gain her father's favor. So, a student of pre-divine dragon—sorry, pre-divine war dragon legends. Field Marshal Brizak has a penchant for the creatures that shows in the Dragoon's divisions and insignias. While they do use Duke Traviac's coat of arms, the arms of Ligeni, it has been altered to remove Belsamith's silver circle replacing it with a dragon. The field behind the dragon is colored to represent its affiliated company, either black, red, blue, green, or white. And for each wing within the company, the dragon itself is the color of a chromatic or metallic dragon either black, red, blue, green, white, gold, silver, bronze, copper, or brass. If the colors of the company and wing coincide, the dragon is rimmed in a black outline on the colored field. Now, it doesn't delineate a difference if there's a black on black, so I'm wondering if the, uh, that rimmed line is still black, and so it's just like an all-black with that kind of upraised embroidery to make it noticeable. Uh, it is said that those who have gotten close enough to see the coat of arms, that each colored dragon is rendered differently, and sages have wondered about the tomes that may reside in the steel-fisted Duke's library. As the personal force of Duke Traviac, the dragoons accompany him when necessary, even on foot if needed, because remember, they are cavalry, whether in Castle Derm or the Clastian Court. At all times, at least one... Company of the Black Dragoons stays with the Duke wherever he is. The Black Company is almost always assigned to defend the Duke, giving that that company a status of high regard. The Company's captain, Gounette, is the eldest son of the Duke's Chamberlain, and it is commonly believed that Traviac feels more comfortable leaving Chamberlain Labint in command of Castle Durham during campaigns when the man's favorite son rides within our arm's reach. Now the red Company is rumored to be Field Marshal Brizak's favorite due to their extensive experience in the field. But it is also said that uh, time, the time that they have been sent on the excessive time that they've been sent on campaign is due to Duke uh, Traviac's vague dislike for the company because it's standard, which is, has a strong resemblance to the classing coat of arms. Whatever the truth, it is well known that the Duke has complete faith in Brizak's loyalty. the ca- The captain of the Red Company has only recently been relate- raised to his position. Captain, Fie- uh, this one's difficult. Fianrac, something like that was promoted after the former captain fell in battle in Durover. His body unable to be returned to Captain Cro- Kos for resurrection, it is said that. Theanrak is the sharpest shot in all of the dragoons. Hello, RPG Apparel. Thanks for joining us. Take a sip there before I continue. All right, moving on to the White Company. The captain is Captain Kos. Uh, he wears a snowy white robe over his dragon armor, and his soldiers are well known to be the most fanatical when it comes to their worship of Char-dune. Uh Kos is kind of the... Uh, go-to person when it comes to most of the priestly duties when it uh, within the Dragoons. Uh, he or his um, subordinates are the ones who do all of the resurrections, who do a lot of the healing and combat, and, as we'll learn later on, deal a lot with undead. Uh, moving on to the Green Company, their leader is Captain Relep. The company tends to, tends to take in those with a ranger background and often use them for scouts or um, as skirmishers if the group has to uh, withdraw. The Blue Company is one that is rarely at full strength. It is from them that the other companies draw to fill their own ranks and so it is often considered to be a proving ground for trainees from which they will then be pulled to join one of the other companies. The comp- the captain of that of the Blue Company, known simply as Drake, is self- proclaimed to be descended from true dragons and many who train under him are often seemingly convinced of the truth and i will spoilers he actually is uh, a part dragon he is like a, a half dragon uh, right up his um, his stat block is gives away the the truth of that mystery uh the formation of the black dragoons dates back to the days when duke aold father of treviac ruled Ligeni. then Archduke. Traviac was turning the tides of into turning, sorry, turning the armies of Legeny into a well-oiled machine of war, gathering the most skilled and brutal sorcerer soldiers he could find to uh to bend to his will. In 138 AV, their loyalties were put to the the test when Traviac overthrew his father in a violent coup. Those who were loyal to Aold were driven from Legeni, forced to swear allegiance to the new Duke, or were just outright killed. The battle for dominance culminated when Field Marshal Brizak destroyed the remnants of Belsemeth's priesthood in Durm and Captain Kos rededicated the, kem- the temple to Chardun, the great general. Over the following few years, the Black Dragoons became a symbol of terror to anyone who might contest tra- Traviac's rule over Ligeni. The grueling regiments established by Brizak and Kos under the watchful eye of the new Duke Treviac yielded a force whose bloodthirstiness is perhaps only rivaled by the most maddened warriors of Vangel and in skill by those in the Legion of Ash. Uh, if you want to hear more about the Legion of Ash, check out the Derekine episode on YouTube. Over the last decade, Duke Traviak has waged a bloody campaign against Legene's eastern neighbor, Eastern neighbor, Durover. Incursions forced... You know what, I actually have art. I'm going to take a break and I'm going to bring up the art that I never thought of. My bad. There's some of the pleasant fellows in the dragoons. Okay. So over the last decade, Duke Traviac has waged a bloody campaign against Leghenny's eastern neighbor, Durover. Incursions forced through the Iron Tooth Pass in the Kelder Mountains have penetrated deep into the country, often turning the capital itself into a battlefield. The vigilance of Vesh particularly despised the Black Dragoons, with the proud semanes I've never known how to pronounce this one, semanes I believe, vigil, uh, being reduced to a beleaguered member of Derover's resistance. The Veshians have put a price on the steel-fisted Duke's head, which seems to rise every week. Now, Traviak secretly hopes to capture Derover for Ligeni, rather than Calastia, to whom... Uh, He owes allegiance. Um, His actions, as well as those of the Black Dragoons, are intended to create long-term fear of the Archdukey. Establishing cultural dominance through decimation and, super icky, rape pregnancies. Ironically, through these actions, the Calastians are going to appear almost as saviors in comparison. In Legenis capital Derm the Black Dragoons are housed in their fortress temple known as the Dragoons' lair. This is the temple that was seized from the Balsamites that that once housed there and was rededicated to Chir, uh, sorry, Chardun. sorry If it has been uh, sorry it has been expanded to house the entire regiment including servants and horses and when not training at the lair or in the battlefield dragoons are assigned to gaso- sorry to guard Castle Derm The interactions between the Veshian Vigils and the Black Dragoons have led to the creation of a new magic item known as Vigils Bane Rings, corrupted forms of the medallions that the Veshian Vigils wear. Taken during battles, these medallions are reforged into rings, uh, their amber jewels blackened and ugly. When within 30 feet of a spell cast by one of the medallions, the ring that the dragoons wear automatically counterspells any magic created by such a medallion. I thought that was kind of uh, interesting and kind of in the face of the Vigils. I can't imagine that they would be very happy about that. I'm just going to bring up some art real quick of Brizak. That is the leader of the Black Dragoons. And here's the fellow riding a horse. And that um, crossbow on his back is a good example of what the the dragon crossbows look like. So overall, I think uh, while they are a powerful force, the dragoons are a bunch of squeaky, mean, gross fellows. They The whole rape pregnancy thing just really sets me off. But uh, if you need the the really bad guys to send after your characters, they they make a good example. So on the opposite side of the coin, there is a Uh, an order of militant people known as the order of the morning sky now these people um, can be men or women and let me see if i can bring up some art here there we go and they uh they're a much larger organization although they're spread out over much larger territory so let's dive in to talk about them so the followers of Madriel are known for their gentle mercy, mercy and tolerance. Most favor peace over conflict, seeking a change uh, in an opponent's outlook rather than to engage in violence. The Order of the Morning Sky is a notable exception to this, however. The first angels more than fanatical followers oh sorry. The first angel's more fanatical followers, the Order combines a missionary zeal with an honest desire to do Madriel's work often with mixed results. The group's most visible effort is that of seeking out undead and wiping the anathema from the face of Skarn, which sounds great in concept. It's maybe the practice that can fall a little short. Uh, In this, the order could be said to be blind to the source. On Skarn, necromancy is not necessarily considered evil, as could be said of the um, Wizards of Hollowfaust, for example, Uh, The Order of the Morning Sky has little sympathy or understanding for such individuals or groups, however, and they do not hesitate to wipe out the undead and their creators when they are found. They may be applauded for destroying a white lord or a vampire who is terrorizing a local countryside, but when they destroy a caravan of necromancers and their undead retinue, simply traveling to or from Halifhaust, trouble can ensue. In addition, the Order has come under scrutiny for their handling of Morgant and infestations which has been a really big thing especially since the the blood monsoon when rumor of such an infestation arises the group will travel to the sus- suspected village blockading traffic in or out they then allow the isolated villagers three days to destroy the infestation on their own after which the odor then burns the village to the ground cleansing it with fire Survivors are then tested to make sure they do not carry the Morgon infestation taint, and those who do are magically cured if possible or slain if necessary. Those in the order who do not—sorry, uh, those in the order do not enjoy this duty, though they acknowledge that it is necessary. And those that are cre- uh, killed are cremated, and the priests of Madriel intone prayers to have mercy on the departed souls. So those who condemn the order. And there are many, particularly, particularly in Calastia and Derekeen, repeat horror stories, often inflated and elaborated, of the Order sequestering and purging the wrong village, ending with innocent and pure villagers being massacred and put to the torch. Even worse, that the Order, through its incompetence, has allowed Morgon infestations to spread because of these catastrophes. Yeah. Um, so the people of neutral alignment, um, the, it's, it's interesting because the, um, the, the entry for the, the, sorry, the, uh, for the order states that they don't need to be neutral as one that follows, um, Madriel tends to be that neutral good. Um, some definitely are chaotic, uh, they're not necessarily, they also might be lawful, but what they're following isn't a lawful, um, code laid down by a local government, although that kind of gets into things later, uh, as, um, their, um, tenants change over time, uh, to not interfere, so I'll get to that in a moment, but yeah, they don't need to be a neutral good to be a part of the order, which is interesting, yeah, (laughs) yeah, exactly, um, okay, so, So those that speak out against the order don't mention the, that many groups wouldn't even give a village three days to deal with infestation or that the order goes to great length to spread information on how to recognize and combat Morgon infestations as well as diseases across Gelsbad to begin with uh, to you know, try and stop these things before they have to go in and essentially destroy a, an entire village of people. Um, more uh, members of the order often viewed as fanatics with little tolerance for outsiders, a grim paradox to those faithful to Madriel, what we were just talking about. Um, while the order does believe in redemption and mercy, it is difficult. It is the difficult task that they undertake that causes its members to become dour and intolerant, constantly in contact with strife and suffering. The order is not all combat and burned villages, however, It is seen as a haven for healers, merchants, and farmers who travel the continents spreading the word of Madriel through trade, healing magic, and agricultural assistance and education. Such individuals travel with a guard of order fighters to protect them from the wild and dangerous lands that they must cross. The Order of the Morning Sky consider the spreader of Madriel's word and influence the most important mandate. They will help any whose cause is worthy as long as the Redeemer's word is followed without hesitation or question. So there is definitely like a lawful aspect to how all of the members act, but to an extent their lawful outlook isn't necessarily the society's lawful outlook. Um... The order is led by a council of priests who coordinate activities and set policy as well as being responsible for monitoring the behavior of members and maintaining the order's dictates the council is currently led by high priest vintos idriam a direct and uncompromising man who has brought great political success to the order the order itself is organized into companies ranging in size from 100 to 600 members each maintaining a temple fortress near an associated settlement. A company is led by a captain-priest and is divided into one or more circles, or groups of 10 to 50 members, that fill various roles. While clerics and fighter clerics lead the order, it is common to find paladins, fighters, rangers, sorcerers, and the occasional wizard, druid, or rogue. And a lot of the lore was written in 3rd edition where paladins had to be lawful good. Um, In 5th edition, with that removal, uh, I feel like you would find a lot more paladins um, being involved in the leading of the Order as well. Um, So the Order was founded six years after the end of the Divine War. Um, As clerics of Madriel began to uh, began a healing work that followed the terrors of such war. Disorganized at first, the order was more loosely connected, was a more loosely connected band, uh, group of wandering bands of combatants seeking to destroy Titan spawn, particularly those of Churn, the the god of disease, oh sorry the uh, the Titan of disease. So over the years, its focus turned to exterminating plagues on Gelsbad and those who spread them spreading the word of madriel the redeemer suffering greatly during the druid war and losing several important members of the order the organization came to appreciate military preparedness and the order emerged from that war more determined to stand against plague and darkness whereas prior to the druid war uh, they didn't really have like a a military mindset Um, their disorganization throughout the druid war really drove home to them that they needed to be become more cohesive and military-minded so in 102 av after years of the order being shunned by local governments particularly that of Colastia high priest Vintos Adrium took power and altered the approach of the order no longer would they interfere in the rule of the land then, after the blood monsoon, the Order made its reputation, sweeping into isolated, diseased towns, rescuing besieged populations, and assisting in efforts with other groups, all without recompense or complaint. Um, despite their conflict with the Calastian hegemony and other nations, the, the Order quietly worked to save the people from horrific fates. Um, so even though Calastia and other other nations were against them um they went into these areas and kind of subtly helped out these areas and then left without getting paid to do their work or anything like that they just wanted to um essentially help which was then you know even though they did it you know as quietly as possible rumor spread and their reputation began to grow in a positive light. So in the last 50 years, they've seen a rise in acceptance of the order throughout Skarn, uh, even amongst those who distrust them. The high priest continues to attempt to attempt expansion of the order while maintaining caution and care when dealing with governments with a strict non-interference doctrine. However, he sees the ability of a nation to oppress and spread hatred just as much of a disease as the vermin of Churn. So he seeks to gradually influence such nations, turning them to the light of Madriel. Despite his discretion, there are those outside the order that have begun to suspect the direction his agenda is taking. So we'll see how things go in the future as they dip more into politics again and more into uh, interfering with... Going back to that not necessarily so lawful outlook. um, The council house of the order is located in southern Vesh. Let me just bring that up real quick for you to see on the screen. Go back to the map. So Vesh is to the north of Calastia, up here. Just make sure you can see that. And it's just north of the Morning Marshes. The city that it is next to is not listed on the map, but it's it's around here. Okay. Uh, given their compatibility, the Order finds the Vigils of Vash receptive and accommodating. The house doubles as a large temple to Madriel, a great compound of buildings set on high ground near the city of Amriel. The leaders of the order are rarely all present at the house at any given time as they travel far and wide to spread their message. Representatives are on hand to confer on a priest's behalf, however. The temple itself is held apart from the Order of the Morning Sky, a place where any may worship Madriel without connection to the order. Uh, However, High Priest... uh, I lost his name. Where did it go? Uh, The high priest that watches over the order does tend to be the one that even the temple turns to when decisions need to be made, but he really tries to stay out of temple uh, daily action, anything that needs to be taken care of, because it is supposed to be for everyone rather than just the order. So yeah, two very, very different um, groups, although uh, when they started off, the Order of the Morning Sky was perhaps a little... um, I'm not going to say that they were quite in the same level of causing terror as the Black Dragoons were. However, I will say that they were definitely um, feared by those who potentially could be diseased. Um, I could see the you know uh, the the people of the village trying to hide any kind of infestation from the the world so that you know they don't need to worry about this order coming in and sequestering them and potentially burning down their village um because of a disease Uh, but i would say that today the order is much held in much higher regard while the black dragoons are still feared um for just cause they're squeaky so that that's the the presentation for today i hope you enjoyed this dip into uh scarred lands lore Next week, going to continue with Secrets and Societies. I have a few more to go through before we wrap that up. If you'd like. Uh, follow along here on Twitch at WH Publications. If you want to follow my more day to day stuff, you can follow on Twitter at WH Pubs or on Facebook at WH Publications or head over to WHPublications.com to see all of the things that I've published on DMs Guild and Drive Through RPG. Uh, there's new stuff coming up in the near future. One of today's viewers is the the head of that project, and I can't wait to be able to announce it and talk about it more. But until then, thanks everybody for watching. You all take care. Um, If you have any questions on future episodes, feel free to bring them up in chat or send them to me on Twitter beforehand and I'll make sure to answer those questions. Yeah. Thanks for watching everybody. You take care. Bye.